Welcome to Business Talk, Sister Gok. I'm Becca. And I'm Ruthie. And today's episode title is Gen Z Unpacked. And our topic today, well, Ruthie and I are going to be discussing based on some of the research that we've done. And we are also hoping and planning to have a generational researcher come and talk with us about this um, in this Gen Z series because we think they'd be super fun to do. Um, we're hoping that we don't get ghosted, fingers crossed. He's really um, cool and we're really excited to like talk, get to talk with him, but he's very busy. <laughs> yeah. So we wanted to um, give you a little oh, look next week because if, if we have it, it's going to be next week. <laughs> <laughs> All right. So Ruthie's going to explain a little bit about Gen Z because I think maybe some people have maybe heard different terms or not really sure what that is. Yeah, so just based on a lot of the research that I've been doing, people have different age ranges that they will say is like falls under the Gen Z category. And pretty consistently, I've seen some people say from 1995 to 2010, um, the I just listened to Gary V's podcast and the episode title was Marketing to Gen Z, Marketing for the New Number Three was the episode that I listened to. They did a whole um, series on that, which was really good and really, really informative. But um, their subset that they use for their like research was from 1997 to 2012. So it's kind of a two-year shift, but um, pretty consistently. People, people born in those area in those yeah. years, mm-hmm. right? That would be like the Gen Z generation, yeah. And so that'd be ages eight to twenty-three. So that's kind of um, what is encapsulated in Gen Z right now. And just for some statistics um, of the U.S. population, they make up about twenty-five percent of the U.S. population. Um, they are one hundred and fifty million strong, and they're spending power is about 150 billion dollars um, they are major influencers of households which we'll talk about later um, they are in the u.s 52 percent white 14 percent black 25 percent hispanic six um, percent asian was kind of some of the numbers that it broke down into um, and then yeah we'll definitely get into more of those characteristics but those are kind of some general information to start with about gen z okay so the thing that I wanted to point out about this and and for me I'm not a person that when somebody says numbers like that I can just be like mm, let me digest sexualized instantly yeah, <laughs> I can't I can't visualize it so what she's saying is basically and and this is some of the information that I researched as well it's like Gen Z is basically going to be the biggest generation um as the boomers start slowly dying off and I mean, Yikes. it's kind of sad, but <laughs> yeah. But okay, I think said about rip, that. But I was like, that might be a little insensitive. <laughs> yeah. Anyways. And so, because millennials, there's not as many as Gen Z, and I've even seen some data that says, like, in the next couple, like a certain number of years, it's going to be like 33% of the U.S. population is Gen Z, which is a lot of people. Like 33%. That's like just about one third of the whole u.s population look at you math stop stop anyways so three percent some might say it's exactly one third no point three 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 point three 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 anyways okay so um so what i thought was really cool about gen z is that they're actually the most diverse ethnically generation mm-hmm. that's been so far mm-hmm. um so when ruthie hit all of those stats um, it was really fast, but that's a lot of diversity in one generation. And, and a lot of the things that people are seeing with, within those 
um, perspectives of people from Gen Z, they take their cultural identity like really seriously. And, and I think that's a good thing um, because when, when you don't know your cultural identity, um, like how, where did my parents grow up? What did, what did their parents do? You don't understand how, like how you were raised influences your worldview and like if more people know like, oh, these are the influences that have been a part of my life and the cultural backgrounds that have like touched how I see the world. And if you, if someone can easily explain that to you about their life and you can explain that to them about your life, you can then see, oh, this is why we're not jiving. Like this is why you're seeing something completely different than I'm seeing because our value systems are completely different. Right. So I think that's a really good thing. Uh, anyways, sorry. Go ahead. Nerd away. <laughs> Um, uh, yeah, I guess like just some other things that I had written down that I thought was really interesting and I didn't do a a ton of comparison between millennial and Gen Z, but just in, in terms of marketing and how to like, um, kind of market, we're going to be doing an episode about blogging specifically. So I was thinking uh, that's kind of my mindset that I was thinking about because I thought the episode was going to be how to blog for Gen Z. (laughs) But Yeah. So anyways, I, um, the difference kind of that most people have been saying about millennials versus Gen Z is that millennials kind of had this more idealistic, um, really want to have content that is speaks to values and like, what can your product do to, um, like how can they get behind a cause is kind of more what I see with millennials, whereas Gen Z is a lot more uh, pragmatic and realist, like a lot more grounded and they're into realism and um, they want convenience over loyalty. I did a lot of research on like brand loyalty compared to other generations before they're far less um, brand loyal. I found in one article that said 81% of Gen Zers will <laughs> leave a brand that they love if they find one that is a higher quality. Um, and then like later in the article, they talked a lot about um, convenience. That's something that they like, I mean, this is the online generation, you know, that they've grown up in, in social media and they're like, that's their native platform is like social media so like anything that they can get at convenience is what they're going to move towards as opposed to being really loyal to a cause they're like what can I get easily (laughs) Um, okay no yeah yeah, I definitely saw that what I found really interesting was the really lean hard into quality which I really didn't I wasn't um expecting and and I totally identify with that though I mean even though I'm what um what people would call a cusper which is basically when you're born right between generational shifts so i'm like right in the between millennial like just leaving millennials into gen z right Mm -hmm. so i kind of go back and forth with what who i identify with in a lot of ways but i totally think quality all the time Mm -hmm. and I think Joel does. Joel's Becca's husband. Oh, oh my, my word. word. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> Researcher to the very core of his being. Okay, we're going to come back to that in the gawk. And I'm going to tell you about this. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> One thing that I also was finding is that because Gen Z, Gen Z is so into being real, they can spot 
a hard sell and oust it like that. Like they mm-hmm. want to know that um, people are genuine and that they are like, actually, yeah, that they actually want to help you. So like one thing that I wrote down that Gary Vee is kind of pretty well known for is like, um, is he says, give, 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 then ask. So you're constantly in a state of like being real, giving of your own knowledge, giving of your own experiences or whatever, like just giving. And then you're, you can put yourself in a position to ask. And that's something. So my brother, Aaron is very much, he finds it very disrespectful to give advice if you don't have a relationship built with that person. He's like, who are you to tell me what to do? Which, you know, anyways, it is what it is. But like, <laughs> but I just think about Especially that a for lot. somebody and, who loves to give opinions. <laughs> yeah, it's a real struggle. We, But it's been, I've learned a lot because of him saying that. So, and I've seen that a lot in my friends who are his age is that like you it's not received well to give advice unless you have a formed relationship with that person so you're giving 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 and then you can like speak into that person's life um but yeah okay I'll I'll hit a pause here well (laughs) I think I think I'm gonna go back to this too because I've seen this in in so many ways so first of all like genuineness is super important right Mm -hmm. and then and but what I have seen in Gen Z, and there's a lot of different, first of all, there's like not actually that many books out there. Like, I'm just going to tell you that because Gen Z has been around for a really long time. And mm-hmm. so um, researchers that are collecting their data, they're still trying to, they're, they're still waiting a lot of times to release that information because you're still going, like a lot of Gen Z is going through formative years still. And so, and plus it's like totally illegal to gather data of like people under 13. So um Anyways, so that that's part of the reason why we're not seeing a ton. Um, but what I will say about older Gen Z that I've seen consistently as well as um, read about is that if you can show them, like, if you want, if they can say, this is my dream, and you're like, yeah, let me show you how to get after that. Or like, here's some options for you. If you wanted to do that, I think you can do it. They just light up um mm-hmm. they get really excited about that because if if somebody's saying like I might not do the work for you but I'm I happen to know a couple people that maybe do that if you're ever really looking seriously into getting in that field or whatever I'm going to connect you with those people so you can ask some questions um they just get so stoked that you're invested in them mm-hmm. and so go ahead I think like another thing that I was finding too is that um, this Gen Z specifically more than than any other generation, I would say, um, is they're finding themselves in a position of, of power and influence way earlier in life than any generation before them. So like mm-hmm. when you, in the, like that was something consistently that I thought was really cool is that they have a really, even though they're very pragmatic and, and practical and like, and they're going to be really real is they have this profound sense of hope and like really like excitement and like can get really into things and stuff and like they want that encouragement and want let's just like anybody but like specifically they have the characteristic of like being very hopeful um which is like the inverse of gen x (laughs) 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 yeah but i think that that one of those reasons like what becca was saying is that they've been presented for their whole our whole existence is like you can do whatever you want 
Um, and so when you give them that, like to just say, hey, like, how can I get you where you want to go? Like, what are you excited about? What are you passionate about? Um, then it's just opening up that door of what they've been always told is like, you can do whatever you want. Yeah, um, well, which actually like segues really well into another um, point that I was going to make. And for the record, I don't have, well, okay, this is hard data. It's not my data, but I'm seeing it in Gen Z. And so I want to talk about it because I really do think it's a huge thing. And the more I've talked about it with people in Gen Z, I've been noticing this. Do you think that's true of Gen Z? And then that person in Gen Z will be like, yeah, I totally identify with that. So, okay. So there's this article and I'm pretty sure it's written by um, the American Psychological Association. It's actually from 2004. So really a long time ago, Uh, but it's called the tyranny of choice. And Mm -hmm. it's so good, by the way, one of our previous podcast guests referred this article to us because we were kind of talking about what's happening with Gen Z and like, why is it that they have, there's a lot of data out there saying, oh, a lot of people have anxiety and fear or depression. And and what is that coming from? And obviously there's probably a lot of reasons behind that. And we can see maybe even in the social dilemma, some stuff with um, the influence of social media on their lives. But, but this, I think the social dilemma is a documentary on Netflix in case you didn't know. (laughs) (laughs) Thank you for clarifying. Some people might not. Okay. So this was really interesting. I'm going to just read this quote from here. Uh, David G. Myers of Hope College and Robert E. Lane of Yale University reveal that increased choice and increased affluence have in fact been accompanied by decreased well-being in the U.S. and most other affluent societies. So that's huge. This is, I'm going to unpack what this means. They're basically studying like how domestic product has doubled in the past 30 years from like then to 2004, right? And, And they talk about how Because, and really to what Ruthie's point was before, and she said it, and I didn't even know she was going to say those things, that they have the most choice, control, personal autonomy, like all these different things um, of any generation, and they're really hopeful. But the thing with that is, the more choices that you have, and this article really talks a lot about it, it actually decreases your well-being. Because Mm -hmm. there's a huge, what it appears to be, a huge opportunity cost for choosing one thing. And so like many, one thing over another, you mean? Yeah. So, so yeah. many young people get so fearful. Like, I don't know what I want to do with the rest of my life. What if I go into something and I realize that's not what I want to do? Oh my goodness. Because something else could come up in the meantime that could be better. And I have lost that opportunity and that's opportunity cost. Right. And so this article kind of breaks it down into two different kinds of people. There's maximizers and satisfiers. And satisfiers actually live a way healthier life overall because it's good enough. They're like the 80% people. They're like, meh, I didn't do it perfectly, but you know, I did it. It's fine. It's good enough for my needs, right? Bringing it to 80% and then calling it good. Yeah, right. And then there's, and then there's maximizers that they really, they're the... And you know who I'm talking about. (laughs) They're the people who like look at the cost per ounce (laughs) at the grocery store. I can't relate. I I don't even know what you're talking about. I can't. It's not me. Yeah. (laughs) 
<laughs> yeah, it totally is you, you dork. <laughs> and you're the 80%. I know. You're like, oh, whip it together, get it done. And I'm like, okay, but like, okay, but like, it's not perfect. <laughs> okay. Fine. It's fine. Yeah. <laughs> okay. So I totally get this. Ruthie and I totally get this personally, right? So when you're a maximizer, if you do something and you're like, I think this is the best choice for me. This is like, I've researched all the options. This is what I want. And I pick it and I'm confident in it. But then all of a sudden something new gets introduced. Maybe it's a new job. Maybe it's a new car or a new model of the iPhone, whatever it is. Suddenly there's just like insane regret and disappointment that happens because you feel like you failed yourself. And you get a lot, a lot of people because of that have fear of making a choice to begin with. And then anxiety after they've made a choice, worried that they have, could have done something better if they would have just waited long enough. Right? Yikes. And- oh my word. It's like you're prying into my soul. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. So what, what I just thought was crazy about this article is they're like, there's actually data that, that they're talking about that's like, yeah, literally maximizers live a way more depressing and anxiety-filled life. Okay, because, okay. Because they're thinking about that. But here, here we're seeing a whole generation thinking, well, I can change the world. I have so much opportunity at my feet. But that, if you're a maximizer, that all of a sudden is a fear-gripping freeze of, I don't want to do anything. I'm not going to take any risk, and I'm going to stay where I'm at. Mm -hmm. And I think one thing that I was actually thinking about today, this is just a little self-reflection of my life. Um, I was thinking about how when, right now, I'm in in a stage of transition, and it it's not just like, I can do whatever I want. It's now I'm mourning (laughs) this season of life that I'm leaving. And so it's like, I can do anything, but you have to overcome that stage of, of moving out of one stage into another and into this new opportunity. And you're leaving all these other opportunities behind you. And so it's like, did I, and then there's this constant sense of, did I do enough in this stage? Or like, am I really ready to move on? And like, and there's all those pieces that go into it. So it's not just, you can pick up and jump into the next thing. And, but but that's something that Becca and I talk about all the time is like, when you're young, it makes the most sense to take the most risks, (laughs) just like, and try things and fail and try things and fail. And like, but then there's, when you're so there's so many opportunities to fail at or to succeed at it maybe it would be a better um if you're currently in a in a place where you feel like you're succeeding stepping into that next point of potential success you have to go through that barrier of mourning what you're leaving behind um and that was just something i was thinking about today well and i think a lot of times too uh, because there's so much opportunity at your feet it's also really frustrating if you don't have immediate gratification and success. Mm-hmm. And so that's frustrating. And I can totally identify with that. <laughs> but mm-hmm. that's what's so interesting about Gen Z is I think I think I predict that we're gonna see a lot of I, I, a lot of small business owners start out like entrepreneur. Well, I mean like side hustles, right? We're already mm-hmm. seeing a growth in side hustle. But I think that there's going to be some people that jump into it too soon because they're going to say, I don't want to go to college. I'm just going to start a business from scratch. And probably they're going to do it while they're still living with their parents. So that's good because they have that little safety net, but they're going to try it and they're going to fail. 
and they're gonna be like ah that was horrible <laughs> mm. but I mean, that's I've an okay seen, thing I've seen like people say this is the the gig generation or like this we're in like this phase of, of gigs where people just have all these side hustles and things like that and I think Becca I know you've said this so many different times that literally there's an entire generation of business owners that are just coming up and starting their own businesses without any form of mentorship and any form of guidance because they like this I yeah this is something this this generation Gen Z has a very high value of education but they also understand that you can get education in a wide variety of different ways like they really value that and one thing that I was seeing is that like people are saying that um this is the most this will be the most educated generation um but that it's not necessarily exclusively through college um anyway so like people they have a more understanding of like getting information from all these other ways and not necessarily the traditional ways but what we're seeing is like all these people kind of just stumbling into business and then having to figure all of that out so like if you're listening to this and you are gen z thinking about with that in mind how can you set yourself up for success by finding those people who have done that before um, and if you are not Gen Z and you're listening to this, how can you find people to mentor? If everyone's succeeding, then everyone's succeeding, you know? So like, how can you invest in the people around you so that you can increase the economy as a whole and like, and, and finding those people to mentor? And then also, okay, the, yeah, actually the one thing that I was seeing too is that now when you ask a lot of uh, Gen, Gen Zs who they look up to, disproportionately they will say their parents um whereas like generations before them would would talk about like celebrities or sports people or whatever like famous people and things like that but because because they value being real so much and they value transparency one thing that I was thinking about too with with COVID there's a greater sense of grace now for trial and error than there ever has been because everybody's like oh yeah it's it's COVID things don't work out you know like whatever but they so trying things now is like it just it just feeds into that sense of like they value real they value transparency so if you're doing a Facebook live or something and you mess up like people have more grace for that now than they ever have before um and I feel like I just thought that was really interesting that Gen Z looks up to their parents a lot because of that sense of they're they're real to them they're not this yeah unrelatable person also they've never met before also you guys are gonna hate me for this right now but um because I'm not gonna what cite, an intro I'm not gonna cite <laughs> this to I, hate me. <laughs> I would I would hate me because I didn't cite it because I looked it up a while ago and I didn't bookmark it um but I did read this statistic recently that said 80% of Gen Z will make a significant life change based on the influence of a YouTuber I think you sent me that I was like mind blown (laughs) and a little terrified. (laughs) Okay. Thank you. Put in the blog post. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Okay. So I'm going to go on to a couple other things that I wanted to cover really quick and then we should probably get to a rock. Mm -hmm. Um, So one of the things that I found really interesting is that financial stability is super important Mm -hmm. um, to Gen Z and so psychology 
today wrote an article that said the average Gen Z student begins financial planning at age 13. <laughs> That's what we like to hear. <laughs> Ruthie's like, proud of you. I'm proud of you. <laughs> and two thirds of Gen Z students say financial stability is more important than a job that makes them happy. Mm-hmm which I totally think is because they watch their older siblings struggle with student loan debt mm-hmm. and the recession that their parents went through in 2008. Yeah. And I think like, sorry, did you have more that you wanted to say about that? Specific? No, go ahead. One thing that I thought was so vital. And I think like this, if you're a business owner, like pay attention to this because right now there is this huge shift going on where Gen Z is becoming the, the mobilizers and the influencers in the family unit. So like, wow. I didn't know that. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah. And like, that is, there's, there's this, this movement of like, they're becoming the ones to say, Hey, dad, check this out. Or this, like they talked about, like specifically, um, there was this quote that she read about how there was one person that filled out their information and sent it in about how she was finding all this information about racism and then bringing it up to her dad and saying like, dad, like, I know that you grew up with these things or believing these different things, but this is what I'm finding. And I'd love for you to like, look into this or whatever and like in being that conduit of information to other people because they see the value of um of education and like in being that voice of influence which I thought was really really cool and then also they like brands like Amazon and Google and Walmart whereas millennials are like all for the little guys because like they they want to have a cause and 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 Gen Z has a higher tolerance and appreciation for institutions and corporations because of that sense of convenience and accessibility um and they Mm. Yeah, and they have more, uh, they understand that the world changers are those huge companies. Um, And so they have a higher appreciation for them and recognize that like, if you want to bring about change, you have to get to a point of success like that to do it. I don't know, there's a difference in mentality, whereas like millennials kind of (laughs) hate institutions and corporations, and they're like, down with the big man or whatever. And like, (laughs) where they're like, yeah, no, maybe we should influence the big man to change, because that's where they're seeing change happening, Mm -hmm. which is cool. Which is funny, because we've totally talked about that before, where we're like, you don't realize if you're really mad at a company, then buy a whole bunch of their stock. (laughs) And then you, you get your voting rights and you're like, I'm going to vote for what I want in this. And I'm showing up to the meeting. Thank you very much. (laughs) You can't stop me from that shareholder meeting. I'm going to bring my food. I'll bring my kid. (laughs) Because it's on zoom. No. Yeah. Anyways. Okay. Anyways. So, um, 53%. So this is from workplace intelligence prefer in-person communication over tools like instant messaging and video conferencing. Okay, this is the last point that I'm going to make on this because we are totally running over in time. But here's why I think that is the case. How many people have they seen in the news get taken out of context in a recording or a video clip? Tons Six at least. <laughs> oh, oh, okay. Thank you. Thank you because you're the only person that's like really listening right now. <laughs> 
No. Is it rhetorical? Yeah. I don't know. There was a pause. I felt no. like I should insert. Sorry. No, but so many people have like somebody screenshotted that, somebody took this, whatever, they shared it, all this stuff. There's like a really big risk to being visible digitally. They know context is everything. And and so face-to-face communication allows you to see whether you're being sarcastic or if that was supposed to be a joke. So anyways, I do think that that's part of it is they just, they're looking for that face-to-face interaction because they've lived their entire lives on social media and they want to go have real experiences. I I found that I actually really, really enjoy generational research, but um, one thing, so like just things that brands can do or businesses can do, I had a couple different things is, is to try, like just as takeaways is to help champion what people are passionate about and giving them that hope. And then specifically with all the things that have been going on with COVID and there's, um, so many different milestones that people have been missing out on giving gen z an opportunity to a space to engage in that milestone or like meeting them in that or teaching them something that they should have learned in that milestone or whatever providing value on those specific things that they want um, and that they missed out on so trying to look for the those specific opportunities is something that you can do as a business which Mm. i thought was we're going to transition into the sister gog portion and becca has a little story she's going to share okay it's really about quality right um <laughs> i'm coming back to the quality thing so okay. when my husband and i first got married he was saying to me he was so adamant like he's such a researcher about quality that we needed these pans that are like so fancy because they're like copper on the outside or whatever i don't know he's all about to be like fair, they are very nice pans i do yeah, like them they are they are but you know something i am a dishwasher junkie like convenience to the core and he's like no no no, we need these pants but also you need to hand wash them and i'm like what is wrong with you <laughs> I'm pretty sure. Okay, this is actually funny because most people hand wash their pots and pans. <laughs> most people did not grow up with seven children in their family, where they just everything the dishes the sinks overflowing all the time. You just toss everything into the into the dishwasher. Okay, like, well, I didn't know that, right? <laughs> okay. I just thought that like most people threw them in the dishwasher, and I'm mm. like why would you do this to us as a family? Don't you know? (laughs) And, and I realize this from like a different, like relational standpoint, like our parents, my mom, like anytime she wants something, it's like, this is what I want for the kitchen. My dad's like, this is what mom wants. This is what we're getting. And it's like, wow. Like mom knows like the kitchen is her stuff, like all her stuff. (laughs) Well, Joel does not see our kitchen that way. Like it's not my stuff. (laughs) and I had to like totally reframe my whole thought process on that when we got married because I'm like this man does not understand how my parents raised me (laughs) this is my space we get what I want (laughs) anyways so so we kind of came to this compromise right like he told me okay I we're gonna get these dish dishes or pans and I will wash them by hand you don't need to worry about it like we'll buy them and I will be the one to wash them because I really want them. And um, moral of the story, that's a lie. <laughs> There's no way one person can 
always wash the dishes especially if you're like as controlling as i am <laughs> one time uh, okay i don't do we have time for this yeah know. whatever let's okay, just do what? it <laughs> one time i was so we were redecorating our bathroom and i don't know what possessed me to think that this was a good idea but there was like this porcelain garbage can <laughs> and i was like mom i really want this garbage can and she was like are you gonna be the one to clean it out when it gets all full up on the bottom because we just are always used to using like plastic ones or or buckets and so then i was like yes i want it i will always take the garbage out i've never made a more promising statement in my life i feel like that was a- probably like wow adamant <laughs> I know that was I think that was a honestly a transitional moment for me because I never make per, is it permissory permissory statements like that anymore like I'm <laughs> drive back up a wall because I'm never going to commit to anything and I think that's what broke me oh, okay well thank you guys for joining us today <laughs> I think this is more just for us than for you, but honestly, if you enjoyed this episode, you should give us a review on Apple Podcasts, and we are so looking forward to actually asking some quality questions about Gen Z uh, in the future, so definitely To an expert, specifically. Not to say that these questions or answers were not quality, but we're going to ask some questions to an expert, so you're going to want to tune in for that. We'll see you next week.